Hey, podcast listeners, thanks for streaming today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory is a nonprofit ministry featuring the Bible teaching of Dr. Robert Jeffress. And right now, your generous gift will have twice the impact thanks to the Proclaim the Gospel Matching Challenge active right now through December 31st. To give a special year-end gift, go to ptv.org podcast and click the Donate button, or follow the link in our show notes. Now, here's today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. This is Robert Jeffress. In response to the horrific attack on Israel, I've written a brand new book called Are We Living in the End Times? Go to ptv.org to order your copy. Certainly the best reason for remaining faithful to Christ in seasons of suffering is because it authenticates the reality, the authenticity of your faith. Holding on to faith in all seasons of life, not just in the good times, is the proof of your faith. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, it's easy to talk about the joys of serving Jesus Christ when life is smooth and prosperous. But what about when the walls of your life come crumbling down around you? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shows us what the writer of Hebrews says about maintaining a joyful spirit and strong faith in seasons of suffering. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Let me remind you that time is running out to request your copy of the brand new 2024 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. This is an exclusive leather-bound book in which I've written chapters for every weekday in 2024. The Daily Devotional has become a favorite tradition with our listening family. And I have to tell you, this edition is bigger and more beautiful than ever before. And it's our gift to you when you give a generous year-end gift to Pathway to Victory. Plus, when you give a generous year-end gift right now, the amount is doubled because of the matching challenge in the amount of $500,000. For a few more days, your generous gift of, say, $100 becomes $200. A $500 gift becomes $1,000. Any amount you give will have twice the impact until we reach the cap amount of $1 million. All these resources will go directly toward reaching more people with Pathway to Victory than ever before. More details about these opportunities will come later in today's program. But let's get started with today's message right now. While we typically identify the birth of Jesus with December 25th, we can celebrate His life and ministry all year long. In Hebrews chapter 3, we're reminded that Jesus is a Savior for all seasons. In his book, I Was Wrong, PTL founder Jim Baker describes his rise to power as perhaps the most influential televangelist of his day. He also recounts his fall, his time he spent in prison, and his restoration. In the opening paragraph of that 600-page book, Jim Baker confesses that much of what he believed and taught about the prosperity gospel was wrong. It's not always God's plan, he discovered, for believers to experience material prosperity. It's not always a part of God's plan to live a problem-free existence. But to me, what stood out most about that book was how suddenly Jim Baker's life changed. 
One day he was flying around on a Learjet, influencing millions of people, enjoying multi-million dollar mansions around the country, and almost overnight, he found himself in a prison cell with four other inmates where his job was scrubbing out the toilets and the shower stalls. Life can change very dramatically for any of us. Truthfully, most of us here will never have the affluence or influence of a Jim Baker. And likewise, most of us here today will never experience prison. But don't miss the point. Life can change for any of us very quickly. You know, it's one thing to talk about how great our Christian faith is when everything is going well. But how does your faith do for you when the bottom falls out of your life? It's one thing to proclaim the goodness of God when your children are healthy, when your bank account is full, when your marriage is satisfying. But how much do you believe in the goodness of God when your child becomes ill or even dies? When you face bankruptcy, the fact is, for every one of us, the authenticity of our faith is proven in the crucible of suffering. We need to hold on to our faith in Jesus Christ, not just in the seasons of success, but also in the seasons of suffering. Because the fact is, Jesus Christ is the perfect savior for all seasons in our lives. And that's the theme of the passage we're going to look at today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter three, beginning at verse one, as we discover why Jesus truly is a savior for all seasons of life. I think by now you remember the background of the book. The letter is written to a group of Christians who are going through their own season of suffering. Their faith in Christ, having come out of Judaism and turning to Christianity, that faith in Christ caused them to suffer at the hands of the Roman government who was persecuting all Christians. But secondly, they were suffering at the hands of their fellow Jews, friends, family members who couldn't understand why they would turn their back on Judaism and embrace this seemingly new religion called Christianity. And so because of that suffering, they were being tempted to let go of their Christian faith and go back into their old system of belief. These professing Christians were teetering on the fence between faith in God and Christ and disbelief. And before they fell away from their faith back into Judaism, the writer had a strong exhortation for them. And we find that command in chapter three, verse one. He says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. There's some of you right now that are facing your own season of suffering in your life. You're thinking your faith in Christ, maybe is not all it was cracked up to be. Maybe you're wondering about the goodness and the greatness of God. Maybe you're being tempted to let go of your faith and pursue something else. Before you do, this verse has a great command for you as well. I want us to look at the four parts of this command 
First of all, notice who the audience is. He says, therefore, holy brethren. The word brethren sometimes is used in the Bible to refer to all of mankind. But the phrase holy brethren and also partakers of a heavenly calling makes it clear that the writer is talking to those who profess Christ as Savior. You see, you have a heavenly calling if you are a believer. That is, your calling as a Christian comes from heaven, but your calling is also to heaven. Never forget that. And what do I mean your calling is from heaven? Never forget that your call to become a Christian did not start with you. You didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'll become a Christian today. No, it all began with a call from heaven on your life. 1 John 4.10 says, and herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that God first loved us and gave himself as a propitiation, a satisfaction for our sin. We're going to read a lot of passages in this book of Hebrews that makes us think our salvation depends upon us. We think, well, we were responsible for saving ourselves, making that leap of faith. We must be responsible for keeping ourselves saved. No, it all starts with God. Remember in 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul says, God saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Never forget your salvation began in heaven with God. We have a calling from heaven, but we also have a calling to heaven. As difficult as your life might be right now, never forget this world is not your home. What you're going through is real, it's painful, but as we saw last time, it's also temporary. Heaven is our ultimate calling. That's the audience to believers with a heavenly calling. Secondly, notice the connection. The connection. That word, therefore, is the connecting word. Therefore, always points us back to what the writer has said in the first two chapters. Remember, this letter is about the superiority of Jesus Christ. And he says, therefore, in light of what I've said about Jesus, that he's the exact representation of God, that he is God's final word in human history, that he upholds all things by the power of his word, that he is superior to the Old Testament prophets. In light of all that I've said about Jesus, before you give up your faith, before you decide it's not what you need at the moment, I want you to do one thing. And here's the exhortation. Underline it, two words, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Now, I admit that sounds pretty weak. Consider Jesus. What is he talking about? Just have a little warm, fuzzy thought about Jesus? Is that what it means to consider Jesus? Now, this word consider is very important. There are 11 words in the Greek language he could have used, but the word he uses is katanoen. The word literally means to think deeply about, to study closely. Before you come to the conclusion that your faith is unimportant, You need to think deeply, study closely Jesus Christ. By the way, it's the same word that Jesus himself uses in Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 24 and verse 27. And Jesus said to his disciples, for this reason I say to you, don't be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat 
nor for your body as to what you shall put on. For your life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Then he says, consider the ravens. There's that word. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. And they have no storeroom nor barn. And yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? Verse 27, or consider, there it is again, the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. When you're all worried about where your next meal is coming from, don't have a panic attack. He says, consider the ravens. He doesn't mean just take a look at the birds for a second and then get back to your worry party you're having. No, he says, study them carefully. They don't have a panic attack about what they're going to eat. God provides for their every need. If God does that for the birds of the air, how much more will he do for you? When you're worried about what you're going to wear and where your clothes are, don't have a meltdown over that. Consider the lilies. What does he mean by consider the lilies? He's not talking about just taking a little tiptoe through the tulips there and saying, oh, aren't those pretty? No, what he's saying is, study these flowers closely. Their beauty far surpasses any earthly garment that a person could put on. If God's going to take care of the flowers, how much more is he going to take care of you? What he's saying here, the same word, when you are in a storm of suffering in your life and thinking about giving up your faith, before you do that, consider, study Jesus. Well, what am I to consider or to think about deeply about Jesus? Two things. Notice the reason we're to consider Jesus. First of all, Jesus was God's apostle. He was God's apostle. That word apostle, apostolus, means one sent forth. Now, usually when the word apostle is used in the Bible, we think about the 12 apostles who were sent forth to be Christ's representative. Sometimes we think about Christians as a whole. We are called to be God's ambassadors, his representatives on earth. This is the only time in the Bible that Jesus was called God's apostle. He is the representation of God. He is God's representative on earth. So before you give up your faith in Jesus, really think about who he is. I read this week about Antiochus Epiphanes, who was the king of Syria in the second century BC, and he was considering invading Egypt. The Roman emperor did not want him to invade Egypt, so he sent his ambassador, Papaleus, to meet Antiochus Epiphanes. They met on the border of Egypt. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, the king, brought his great entourage, his army with him, amassed there on the border. Papaleus, the ambassador from Rome, came by himself. They chit-chatted for a little bit. They had known one another in Rome. And finally, they got down to business. And the king of Syria said, I'm going to invade Egypt. I'm considering invading Egypt. And very quietly, Papaleus said, I would prefer that you not do that. He said, no, I'm actually considering doing that. So Papaleus took a stick and he drew a circle in the sand around where Antiochus the king was standing. And then Papaleus looked at him and said, 
You consider it as long as you want to consider it. But before you step out of this circle, you better have a decision. And after a few moments, the king of Syria said, I've decided not to invade Egypt. Now, what caused the mighty king of Syria to back down? He had an army with him. Papaleas had no one, not even a guard standing with him. No, it was who Papaleas represented. He represented the emperor of Rome. And Antiochus Epiphanes knew he was no match for the emperor. And what the writer here is saying is, before you give up your faith in Jesus Christ, consider who Jesus really is. He is God's emissary. I'm going to admit something to you that perhaps I shouldn't admit. I always hear you never preach your doubts. But you know, if I'm honest with you all, I have to tell you, there are times that even I have doubts about some of these things I stand up here week in and week out and preach about. There are times I wake up in the middle of the night and I wonder, is there really a God? Or is this all make-believe? Is there really such a thing as life after death? Or is this world all that there is? And even if there is a God and there is a heaven and hell, do I really absolutely know that I've done everything I need to please God and be welcomed into heaven? I have those thoughts occasionally. But every time I do, I come back to Jesus Christ and to what Jesus Christ said. It is Jesus who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes, trusts in, clings to him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. It is Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. It is Jesus who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. My faith rests on Jesus Christ. And everything in his life, his resurrection from the dead, verified that he was the son of God with power and that I can put my faith and trust in everything he did and in everything he said. And God is saying the same thing to you today. Before you give up your faith, remember who Jesus is. He is God's representative. He is God's apostle. Not only that, he is God's, he is our high priest. He is our high priest. He is the apostle and high priest. That word priest is the word pontifex. Literally bridge builder, mediator, the go-between. You know, we talk about the Pope being the pontiff. He's often called the pontiff. He is the bridge builder. He is the mediator. No. The Bible says the go-between, the mediator between God and man is not Father Smith down the street. And it's not Pastor Jeffers in this church. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says, there is one God and one mediator, one pontifex, one bridge builder between God and men, and it is the man Christ Jesus. 
Jesus Christ is the only one who can span the gulf between God and man. Only he has offered the acceptable sacrifice to God. Only he can pave the way to a relationship with God. He is our high priest. Not only because he's offered the only acceptable substitute for our sin, but also he is our high priest now in heaven who represents us before God. He is the one to whom we can go in our time of trouble, knowing that he hears us and he understands us. Don't miss the point here. The writer is saying, if you abandon Jesus in that season of suffering in your life, to whom else or to what else are you going to turn? Well, somebody in the Jewish audience yells out, I've got an idea. What about Moses? What about Moses? Wouldn't he be a substitute for Jesus? I could go back into Judaism and Moses could fulfill everything you say Jesus did for me. Now you have to understand who Moses was to the Jewish people. You know, Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. He was like our George Washington. But Moses, he was the national hero. He was like Abraham Lincoln to our people. The people revered Moses. In a sense... He was an apostle from God. I mean, after all, it was Moses who went up onto the mountaintop and met with God and received God's laws and came back and spoke the law to the people. Moses was God's representative to the Israelites. Not only that, in a sense, he was a mediator between the Israelites and God. We'll see this in a couple of weeks, but when uh, God was so angry with the Israelites, he was gonna wipe them off the face of the earth. Remember, Moses was the go-between. He said, God, please don't do that. You've promised to keep this people as your people forever. He was the mediator, the go-between. So it was natural for the people to say, well, we'll just substitute the worship of Moses for the worship of Jesus Christ. And so... In these next verses, the writer shows how Jesus is superior to Moses. But very wisely, before he shows that, he talks about how Jesus and Moses were similar. Look at that in verse 2. For he was faithful, that is, Jesus was faithful to him, God, who appointed him, just as Moses also was in all of his house. Both Jesus and Moses were faithful. You know, God never asked you to be successful. He never asked you to be well-known or to be popular. But in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, it says there is one thing required of a steward, and that is that he be faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one thing you're going to be judged by at the judgment seat of Christ. God is going to ask you, were you faithful to do what he asked you to do? Faithfulness, that's what the word means. It means simply to do what God has asked you to do. Isn't that refreshing? God is not asking us to become famous and popular. He simply wants his followers to remain faithful and loyal to him. And on tomorrow's Pathway to Victory, I'll pick up this important matter right here as we continue to celebrate Jesus, the incomparable Christ. Now, Christmas Day arrives next Monday, but let's be clear, there's nothing magic about the holiday itself. At Pathway to Victory, we celebrate Christmas every day of the year because Jesus is a Savior for all seasons. And for that reason, we're not bashful about calling upon friends like you to join us in the all-out effort to touch more lives. 
Gratefully, a generous group of friends have set aside a matching fund in the amount of $500,000. And when you give today, your investment will have twice the impact. Plus, your generous year-end gift entitles you to request the 2024 Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional as well. It's beautifully bound in forest green leather, and it's something you can treasure for many years to come. Please don't allow this opportunity to escape without taking advantage of the matching challenge and receive your copy of the beautiful daily devotional. The deadline is Sunday, December 31st at midnight. If we can reach the goal, we'll have amassed a whopping $1 million to deploy next year so that millions more can hear about the incomparable Christ. May I count on you to respond? Thanks so much for your generosity. Now, here's David with all the details. Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift to support this ministry, we'll send you a copy of the all-new Leatherbound Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2024. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965, or you could visit our website, ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also include this month's teaching series, The Incomparable Christ, on CD and DVD. Plus, you'll also receive Celebrate the Savior, Volume 2. That's a brand new music CD featuring the very best Christmas music performances by the incredible First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. And because of our Proclaim the Gospel Matching Challenge, any gift you give will be doubled in impact. Call us toll-free at 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You could write to us if you'd like. Here's that mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again next time for the conclusion of the message called A Savior for All Seasons, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. In response to the alarming war in the Middle East, Dr. Robert Jeffress has written a brand new book for you. It answers pressing questions like, are we living in the end times? In this time-sensitive book, Dr. Jeffress answers seven questions about the future, such as, what are the major events of the end times? Request a copy right now by going to ptv.org. It's called, Are We Living in the End Times? To receive your pre-release copy, go to ptv.org. You've made it to the end of today's podcast from Pathway to Victory. We're so glad you're here. Pathway to Victory relies on the generosity of loyal listeners like you to make this podcast possible. And right now, your special year-end gift will be matched and therefore doubled in impact thanks to the Proclaim the Gospel Matching Challenge. Take advantage of this opportunity to double your impact before the deadline on December 31st. To give toward the Matching Challenge, go to ptv.org podcast and click on the Donate button or follow the link in our show notes. We hope you've been blessed by today's podcast from Pathway to Victory.